This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Adventures of Sam Spade was a suspense detective radio show starring Howard Duff in the colorful title role, along with Lorene Tuttle as his secretary, Effie. It was based on the private detective character created by Dashiell Hammett, well-known from the book and, of course, the movie The Maltese Falcon. The show ran from 1946 to 1951. Scriptwriter Bob Tallman received an Edgar Award for Best Radio Drama from the Mystery Writers of America. The show was sponsored by Wild Root Cream Oil. Okay, let's see what he's up to tonight in the episode entitled Sugar Cane Caper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. They offered me a cool million and a half, but I couldn't be bought. Oh, Sam, all the time fooling. Straight good, Sammy. Oh, really, Sam? Why didn't you take it? Oh, but you couldn't, of course. That's right, Angel. Taxes. Oh, you mean it would put you in a bracket? Uh, The girl's name, in case you were going to ask, was Sugar Cane. Was she sweet? Oh, Effie, you mean a joke. Oh, not much of one, though. That is true. But even though you do seem to be, as you would say, in a jugular vein... I shall be right down, serious and frowning, to dictate a chronicle steeped in the bitter tea of general confusion, brewed in a witch's cauldron of murder, greed, and avarice. That's what gives it that nutty flavor. What, Sam? Silly girl, I refer to the sugar cane caper on which I will forthwith my report be down to dictate on, uh, uh, it, uh, uh, with, uh, goodbye. <laughs> Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. lugubrious over the phone. Sometimes you're so bucolic, but tonight... What am I? When? Lugubrious tonight. Just, just, just bubbling over. Do you uh, possibly mean I'm being lush with my verbiage? There, you see? Well, that's because I've been at work in the environs of Snob Hill. 
Well, they never use one word if 12 will do. <laughs> Are you uh, ready for the dictation? I guess it is. I plan to be most amusing tonight. Already <laughs> I am yet. <laughs> Look, I haven't even started. Oh. Really, I haven't. All right. <laughs> now, pencil. <laughs> Date. <laughs> Alan should have such an audience. Date. October 3rd, 1948, to Clifton Cavanaugh, Esquire. <laughs> Down, Effie. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the sugar cane caper. On Thursday last... At 11 a.m., as I waited for the traffic signal so that I might legally cross Powell Street in order to board a cable car, a cat rubbed up against my leg. I leaned over to stroke it and noticed that it had six toes. I wondered if that meant anything. It didn't. Most Knob Hill addresses don't mean much anymore, but yours still does. The house was big, hideous, and reassuring. Oh... Are you from Pepper Snow? Uh, no, I'm in business for myself. Mr. Cavanaugh in? Oh, well, come on in. I can't understand what happened to that boy from Pepper Snow. Oh, uh, pardon me if I seem a little hungover. Gladly, but can you ever forgive yourself? <laughs> I like you. You got a sense of humor. You'll need it. You were uh, trying to tell me you don't approve of Mr. Cavanaugh? That perfume pothead. What did he do to you? He married my mother. Oh, stepfather? Yeah. I'm Fred Blair. Spade's my name. Where do I find him? Detective? Check. I'll give you a clue. Look behind you. I did. I turned and found myself looking straight into your handsome face. You looked several years younger than your stepson, with regular aquiline features, dark, widely spaced eyes, and blue-black hair. Well, so you're the notorious Sam Spade. Well, I don't want to seem modest. Come into the conservatory. There's just the barest chance that we'll not be overheard. Good. There. Sit down. Uh, what's your problem, Mr. Cavanaugh? Problem, indeed. Problems, plural. Starting with that junior-grade lush that collared you at the door. He's very fond of you, too. Well, you can't imagine what a trial that boy's been to me. Both the children. For some reason, neither Fred nor his sister Eunice ever quite accepted me as their father. You don't say I suppose my youth counted against me. I think they misinterpreted my motives. When any man marries a wealthy widow twice his age... Yeah. Uh, why did you send for me, Mr. Cavanaugh? Well, it all started several months back, before my wife, uh, their mother... Uh, uh, where was I? Oh, died. The scandal quite literally killed her. You're sure that's what did the trick? Fred, uh... Who, among other talents, was a positive genius for knowing the wrong sort of people, struck up an acquaintance with a hoodlum named Johnny Verona. Nice, clean-cut gangster type, runs a joint on Pacific Street. Precisely. With the positively hysterical name of the Subtropical. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a sordid brawl of some sort. A man shot. Obviously, this Johnny Verona shot him. Fred had to give testimony before the grand jury. It was all we could do to keep it out of the paper. But you did. No, and old Eleanor, my wife, that is, uh, dropped dead when the butler brought in the Chronicle. But the worst was yet to come, Sam. Well, uh, don't keep me hanging, Cliff. Uh, well, Fred continued to frequent this bistro, this dive of Verona's. I understand. I believe the bait is a toothsome little teaser with the unlikely name of Sugar Cane. She likes Fred. No woman in her right mind would look twice at that idiot, even if he were twice as rich and only half a sodden. Then, uh, where was I? 
Oh, yes, this... This, uh, uh, this Verona person came here several times on the pretext of pouring Fred through the front door and thereby met, met my, my, my stepdaughter, Eunice. Well, uh, that's uh, a very interesting story, Mr. Cavanaugh. Now, uh, maybe you'll tell me what you want a detective for. Because my stepdaughter has brazenly informed me that she intends to marry this gangster. I want you to help me prevent that marriage. I uh, don't see. Don't see what? I don't see how I can. Well, perhaps I didn't make myself clear. When Verona was arrested for that shooting in his club, Fred didn't tell the grand jury all he knew. Now, if you could prove that Verona is guilty, then we'd be rid of him for good. Is it Verona you want to get rid of or your stepson? Good Lord, you don't, you don't think Fred did it, do you? Why, no, of course not. Okay, supposing Verona did it, then Fred goes up on a perjury rap, maybe accessory. Oh. Well, I have no overwhelming desire to injure Fred. Uh, look, why don't you tell me what you have an overwhelming desire for? Under the terms of her mother's will, Eunice will inherit three million dollars as soon as she marries. When? Uh, when what? When do I meet her? Be serious, man. Now, I will pay Verona fifty thousand dollars in cash if he'll stay away from her. Would you take fifty grand as the payoff in a three million dollar caper? In this instance, yes. Eunice is not very well, and you may quote me on that book, chapter and verse. To Johnny Verona. Uh, to Johnny Verona. Okay. Water's mighty cold this time of the year at the bottom of the bay, but if you don't care, I don't. Thank you. Let me know how it comes out. Don't give it a second thought. You'll know. Uh, don't get up, Mr. Cavanaugh. I know the way out. Hey, Spade, wait up. Well, you look a little better. Listen, there's something you ought to know. He was my sister's boyfriend before he married my mother. He did it out of revenge because Eunice threw him over. He still wants to marry her. Any particular reason? Oh, my mother put that crazy marriage clause in her will. He's been systematically getting rid of every man who's been interested in her. Bought him off, threatened him off any way he could. Why? He thinks Eunice will eventually marry him to get her inheritance. But she won't. She'll kill him first, and if she doesn't, I'll do it for her. Fred. Huh? Oh, yeah? Fred, what on earth are you saying? Who is this man? Oh, he's the detective. Sam Spade. You're Eunice Blair? Yes, I want to talk to you. Fred, go, go and... Yeah, uh, see you later, Spade. I know why my stepfather hired you, Mr. Spade. If you need the money, go ahead. But this time it won't work. You look as if you'd like to be a nice girl. How did you happen to settle for a cheap grifter like Johnny Verona? Because we understand each other and he can't be scared off. Any message I can take him from you? Tell Johnny I'll meet him at the usual place. And tell him I still like my coffee black. No sugar. I didn't ask her what kind of sugar she didn't want any of. I thought I knew. <laughs> the only thing wrong with uh, Sugar Cane's dance was her dancing, but the customers didn't seem to mind, and I didn't either. It was a pleasure to size her up carefully, as I would have felt obliged to do anyway in my professional capacity. She was a black-haired number with aquiline features and widely spaced dark eyes. It was a beautiful combination. And I wondered where I'd seen it before quite recently. I decided to find out. Hey, what's the idea of barging in here after me? Can't you see the sign on the door? No customers in the dressing room. Then let's go someplace else. I want to talk to you. Beat it. 
Take it easy. This is on business. Good. I'll fix it up with the boss. Johnny! Yeah, sugar. Uh, what's the matter? Is Joe giving you trouble? He in here after me, the cheap masher. On the pretext of discussing business affairs. Okay, out you go. Oh, wait a minute. Come on, move. And don't uh, come back. Well? Uh, sorry, I had to give that bum's rush routine. I don't want to get her excited. She's a nice kid, and she doesn't know why you're here. I take it you do. Yeah. Eunice called me and told me you'd be down. Okay, Johnny, I'll give it to you fast and get out. Clifton Cavanaugh will pay you 50 grand to leave Eunice alone. He also made a few idle or not-so-idle threats about what might happen to her if you don't take his money. Uh, for example? He said she hasn't been feeling well, might not live long enough to get married. I don't have to tell you what I think about that kind of talk, and I wouldn't be peddling it if my office rent wasn't due. That's why when you started giving me that bums rush, I made only, shall we say, a token resistance? Yeah. About me marrying Eunice... You can tell Clifton to stop worrying. Hmm? Yeah, Eunice and I got married three weeks ago. You what? Married. Uh, you want to see the papers? Why the secrecy? I don't want her to get hurt. You're scared of Clifton? Nah. Sugar. She's got a very low boiling point. She's a... Oh, pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. What is? Go ahead. Yeah, I heard you. No, no, don't touch anything. Don't let anybody in. I'll be right over. Bad news? Yeah, Eunice. She's dead. How? Uh, one of my boys found her in my apartment. She was supposed to wait for me there. How did it happen? He's not sure. He thinks she took poison. I had to give Johnny Verona one thing. He didn't make any pretense about being grief-stricken. But after all, he just inherited three million bucks... Sugar Cane took it standing up, too, but she just lost a rival and got her man back three million bucks richer. I wasn't with you when you got the news, Mr. Cavanaugh. But the one I really wondered about was Eunice's brother, Fred. What brought that on was something I picked up in Johnny Verona's apartment where we found Eunice's body sprawled out over a tray of coffee things. It was a medicine bottle with a doctor's prescription number on the label. The name of the druggist that had put it up was Fetterschnell. I remembered what Fred had said to me when he admitted me to your house that afternoon. Quote, are you the man from Pfefferschnauz? I wondered if I'd answered yes, would Eunice still be alive? The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. to the Sugar Cane Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. The morning papers didn't carry anything new on Eunice's death. Cause was put down to an overdose of a toxic drug. The doctor who prescribed it said she'd requested it for migraine headaches, which he suggested might have driven her to suicide. He did not explain why she had taken four doses in capsule form and dissolved the rest of it in a decanter of coffee. I thought somebody else had dosed the coffee, and so did you, Mr. Cavanaugh. Verona did it, of course. 
He knew she was taking those pills and dosed the coffee just enough to be fatal when added to what she took voluntarily. You knew all that, too. Well, so did Fred. But you had more reasons, three million more. But they were already married. You know that when you hired me? Yes. Then how come? I knew she was planning to do away with herself. I thought if we could pin it on Verona, after all, he's guilty of that old murder. Fred's a witness to that. Well, if you were convicted, the money would revert to me. Nuts. You don't believe me? She wasn't planning suicide, and you know it. Well, then? I don't care who takes the fall, but I got less on Verona than I got on you. Then I'll give you something. Here. Take a look. Verona's lawyer sent this around before her body was cold. A claim for three million dollars, notarized yesterday while Eunice was still alive. Well, Mr. Spade? Pardon me while I drop dead. You did and waited, hopefully, but I managed to stay on my feet. I even managed to make it down the hall to the bar where I found your stepson ambushed behind a row of empty bottles. Fine detective you turn out to be. I warned you. Stand up like a man. It's all right. I'll take on both of you. Come on, sober up. Makes sense. Where's my drink? Who took my glass? Here it is. Give me it. Sure. You spill it. Nice. Oh, my shirt. Listen to me. This is very important. Important? You were expecting a delivery from a drugstore when I arrived there yesterday morning. Who ordered it? She did. Eunice, she told me to watch for it and bring it to her. Did you do that? No. No, she wasn't here. What did you do with that bottle of medicine? I'm sleepy. I gotta get some rest. Wake up! I said, wake up! Leave me alone! Now, listen. You took that bottle with you when you went out. Where did you take it? I tell you, will you let me go to sleep? You took that bottle with you, didn't you? You're guessing. I know you're third degree. You went to Verona's apartment, didn't you? You gentlemen of Verona. Willie Shakespeare. You doped that coffee, didn't you, with the poison that killed your sister? I didn't mean it for her. I... I didn't know she was going there. Go on talking. I want a lawyer. I, I know my rights. Listen, I'm not a cop. I'm not taking a statement. You're too drunk for it to hold anyway, so you can tell me. Okay. Here's how it happened. She, she took four pills and went to bed. Yeah? I, I, I sneaked a bottle out of the medicine chest and I went over to his place. His boy Nick was there making coffee for the boss, he said, when he got home. I hung around talking for a while. And I, I, I slipped some of the stuff in the percolator while he was getting out of the cups. And, and that's all. Why did you want to kill Johnny Verona? So Eunice wouldn't have to marry him. What do you mean, have to? She was doing it for me, so he'd keep quiet. About that brawl in the club, that old killing they tried to nail Johnny for? Yeah, yeah that's it. That, the gun that did it. He, he got rid of it before the cops arrived. That was my gun. Brad, straighten up. Look. Yeah. Johnny dictated the story you told the grand jury. How do I know he didn't dictate the one you're telling me now? Who are you covering for? I, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell you anything. Get out of here! What's the matter with you? I get, get out of the window! The revolver barrel that crashed through the darkened window pane behind the bar spoke twice. I answered it. I looked out into the darkness, making myself a good enough target to draw some fire. I fired back at the flashes. I was depending more on luck than aim, and luck was what I wasn't having much of. I went back to the place where Fred had fallen. The shots that had dropped him were luckier. He'd been dead before he hit the floor. What is it? What's happened here? See for yourself. Who? Shot through the window, couldn't see anything but the gun muzzle. Looked like a forty-five. 
Johnny Verona, he packs a forty-five. Who told you that? It came out of that investigation, one of the reasons they couldn't indict for that old shooting. There were a lot of reasons they couldn't get that indictment. What are you driving at? Neither one of the leading suspects was guilty. I don't follow you. Sugar Kane did that job. Well, that's wild. What if I told you Fred made a statement of that effect before he was shot? You're lying. He confessed. Did I tell you that? Well, he must have. He, he always talked about it when he was drunk. All right. All right, I was bluffing. Why? Just a crazy hunch. I thought there might be something between you and Sugar. Now I'm sure there isn't. Of course not. Should have spotted it before. You're too much the same type, even look-alike. I can't make you out. Well, don't try. It's not worth it. Uh, you better call homicide about Fred here. Tell Lieutenant Dundee if he wants my statement, I'll be at my apartment. After I pretended to leave, I came back and did a little eavesdropping of my own. You didn't phone homicide, but you did spend an hour filing out the barrel of a forty-five automatic. Then you went out. I tailed you to an address on Slope Boulevard. A short time after you went in, Sugar Cane came out alone. I followed her to, you know the answer, my apartment. I went in the back way via the fire escape and arrived in time to answer her buzz. Oh, Mr. Spade, thank heaven I found you at home. So am I. Come in. I know it's terribly late. Forget it. Won't you take off your uh, coat or something? Can't stay very long. It's not safe. I may have been followed here. Oh, surely not. Sam, you don't mind if I call you Sam? No. I'm so frightened. It's about Johnny Verona. I don't know what he may do. He's convinced that Fred killed Eunice and he's out gunning for him right now. We've got to stop him before he does anything rash. You come to the wrong party, sugar. I'm working for the enemy. Enemy? Kavanaugh. It's no skin off his nose if Johnny Verona drops Fred Blair or if you all drop. All he does is sit back and collect. You can't be as cynical as that. You ought to know. Has he told you anything about me? I'd rather hear it from you. Maybe sit down. Well, there's not much to tell. I played along with Johnny for one reason and one reason alone. To save Fred from that old murder rap. Were you uh, figuring on marrying into that family, too? Oh, sir. A regular pincers movement, wasn't it? Johnny and Eunice, you and Fred. All right. It's true I wasn't in love with Fred, but it wasn't all the money. I was sorry for him. Money's not what I really want. I know that now. What do you want? Someone. Someone I can trust. Me too, sugar. Oh, Sam, you know what I want. Say you want me to. Please say it. Don't answer it, Sam. Why not? Johnny may have followed me here. He's insanely jealous. Well, I gotta face it out with him sooner or later. Might as well be now. Sam, be careful. Stand out of the way, sugar. No, Sam. No, no, please. Don't reach, Johnny. I'm not gunning for you, Spade. In that case, come on in. Well, sugar. I didn't believe him that you were coming here. I had to, Johnny. He got some crazy confession out of Fred while he was drunk. I had to stall him until you and Cliff could talk to him. To save Fred, I mean. Oh, stop horsing around. We all know that we all know Fred is dead, and we all know that we all know who killed him. Well, uh, then Cliff was leveling. You are trying to pin that on me. I don't need it, but if you want it, you can have it. There's three million bucks in my part of it. I'll split down with the middle with you. If you throw in with them, it's a three-way split. There's no split at all if you take the rap for Eunice's killing. And you will if you throw in with me. It's their word against mine. Two witnesses against one. And all I've got is a confession by a drunk who is now dead. Sam. Oh, Sam, I was sure for a moment you... Get away from me. Sam, I... <laughs> Go on. Go to work on him. I should have given you a little more time. 
That wasn't fair, was it, Sugar? I hate you. I hate you both. I never want to see you again. Get back in that room, Sugar. What happened, Sugar? Why were you running away? Johnny double-crossed us. Now Sam knows everything. What does he know? The whole caper. Part of it I wasn't quite sure of until I saw you and Sugar standing side by side. That blue-black hair, the same eyes, plus the fact that the bell on Sugar's apartment on Sloat Boulevard reads Kane, parenthesis, Kavanaugh. You took a crazy chance when you knocked off Fred with me right there in the room. The kind of a crazy chance a brother would take to keep his sister clear. I could have told you that. It would have helped a lot, Johnny, but you didn't. A man lets his sister go on dancing in a joint like yours after he's in the chips and she goes on liking it. You can be sure they're both playing for big stakes and for nobody but themselves. Where do you think you were supposed to wind up, Johnny? I'll tell you. Drinking that poison coffee that Eunice got hold of by mistake. That isn't true, Johnny. I never told Fred a thing. He thought you really loved Eunice. I don't know how he found out you were forcing her into that marriage. Yeah, did you also neglect to tell him that he was innocent? That you pulled the trigger in that old killing and, and shoved a gun into his hand while he was too drunk to know what he was doing? I've heard enough. Watch it, Johnny. No! I winged you a split second before you fired. Your aim went wild. All I saw at first was that it missed Johnny. Then I saw him move forward in her direction. She was leaning against the wall, a puzzled expression on her face, her hand plucking nervously at a spot of red that was spreading against the white of her dress. He caught her as she pitched forward and carried her over to a couch. She didn't speak again. You and Johnny knelt beside her until the cops arrived. If you were aware of each other's presence, neither of you showed it. Period. And a report. That was a sad ending, Sam. Yes, it is. I'm sorry it ended so sadly. Well, it was bound to one way or the other. There wasn't anybody in the whole gallery that thought about anybody but himself. Except poor Fred, I guess, and his, his only friends arrived in bottles and left in the ash can. All those millions and millions. We'll get the money now, Sam. I'm glad you asked that. It leaves me cold. Go type that up while I knit myself a sweater. <laughs> group of unfortunates. Hmm? As you say, it just had to end badly. If you hope to get back in my good graces by quoting me, to trick me into agreeing with you, you have succeeded. There you go, Sam. So lugubrious. Effie, what is this? What means lugubrious? Oh, Sam, it's wonderful. It's my new habit. Oh. Every time I read a book now, mm-hmm. and you know, like you read a book and there's a word you don't know what it means or you're not sure. Yeah. Well, I make it a practice now to write down and learn three new words per day. Yeah. And learn the definitions to use them in conversation. You know, like, uh, desultory. And lugubrious. Yes, that's one of my three for today. Mm. You see? Lugubrious. Right here it is. Mm-hmm. To talk a great deal. Um, bucolic, state of being sorrowful. And verbose to be out in the country. I see, I see. Very praiseworthy. <laughs> Enlarging your vocabulary. Yes, love it, I love am. it. But I don't expect to be really lugubrious for, oh, for the nuts. Uh Look, Effie, why don't you go verbose for the weekend? It's the best cure for the bucolic. Oh, Sam, look what I've done. What have you done? I've clipped the wrong definitions to the right words. Well. For instance, lugubrious, well, it isn't that at all. Mm-hmm. And bucolic, oh, Oh, Sam, I've learned them wrong. I wasn't going to tell you, Effie. It's better to find out for yourself. It's more, uh, Effie cases. I knew habit. Oh, good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. The 
The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd. Musical direction by Lud Gluskin with score composed by Renee Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Are you baldy? Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned to X-1 next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now some sci-fi. Yes, it's time for X-1. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents... X minus one... Tonight's story, To the Future, by Ray Bradbury. Time is an interesting phenomenon. A ticking clock, the running sands of an hourglass. All these have captured the imagination of men. But time is more. It exists now, and then, and in the future. Suppose we are in the year 1955. Coexistent in time may be worlds we have never seen. The worlds of the past and of the future. The year 1955. It was a spring night in Mexico. Fiesta time. The fireworks shot up into the clear dark sky and the paper mache bull ran about the plaza chasing boys and laughing men. Mr. and Mrs. William Travis stood on the edge of the yelling crowd and smiled. What is it? What is it? Cheering for the bull. Here he comes. 
There's a table over there. Come on. Bill. Don't. Don't look right away. Hmm? Over your left shoulder, right by the end of the bar. That man. What is it? I saw him this morning in the plaza. Take it easy. The town's full of tourists. He was at Juarez in a Tesco. Bill, I'm afraid. Don't stare at him. Come on. I know it's the same man. He was wearing the same white suit. Sit down, sir. Come on, dear. Smile. Act natural. Bill, he's been following us. He's a searcher. I know he is. Quiet. Uh, here, boy. Uh, si, senor. Uh, Benedictine Brandy, too. Uh, si. Uh, si, senor. He's been watching us, Bill. Put yourself together, Susan. They can't take us back. Why quit worrying? The chances are one in a thousand that they found us. It's probably just a coincidence. I want to lie down. I think I'm going to be sick. Susan, hang on, will you? If he is looking for us, we can't run out. It'd attract attention. He must have slipped up when we checked out in New York. What's he doing now? Stopped our waiter. He's asking him something. He may just want a drink. Bill, I can't stand it. I've got to go upstairs and lie down. All right, all right. As soon as we finish our drinks. What's he doing now? He, he's nodding at me. As if he knows me. He's smart. Bill, he's coming over here. Watch yourself. We've got to go right on in front of him, so he is what we think he is. He won't suspect. I can't. We've got to. Come on. So I said to David, well, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. What, what Mr. You... Christian, you did not pull up your pants leg when you sat down. What? I'm afraid you've got the wrong person. My name isn't uh, Chrysler. Kristen. Oh, I'm uh, William Travis. I don't see what my pants leg has to do with it. <laughs> Mind if I sit down? See, everyone nowadays pulls up his pants leg when he sits down. Like this. It keeps the trouser from bagging at the knees. But, of course, if you're not used to this style of clothing... Now, see here, we don't know you. You but... don't? I'm sorry. I thought I knew you. This is our table, if you don't mind. You see, I'm looking for two friends of mine. A man and his wife. Very much like you. The man is an atomic scientist. The wife, a bacteriologist. Very important people. They work on government business. What are you talking about? And when I find my friends, I'm going to take them home with me. Uh, look here, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sims. That will do for now. Look, look, I understand you thought you knew us, but you see you're mistaken. If you'll excuse us, my wife and I were just going up to our room. We have to make an early start in the morning. Oh, going for a trip? Acapulco, perhaps? Oh, a lovely spot. Never mind where we're going. Yes, yes, of course. You don't like crowds, tourists. Probably like to get off the beaten path. You know... I have a vacation folder here that might interest you. Please, Bill, let's go. It's uh, it's put out by an outfit that calls itself Travel in Time, Incorporated. Travel in Time? Yes. 
they've come up with a rather intriguing idea. Here. Travel in Time, Incorporated, can costume you, put you in the crowd at any place and time in history. We guarantee to teach you any language you need to move freely in any year without risk of detection. This summer, why not escape from the worries of our modern world? Take your vacation in time. That's impossible, of course. Ah, but think what it would mean. A chance to escape all the tensions of an unpleasant life, war, insecurity, fear. Suppose you were a scientist working on a dangerous bomb project. Or you, Mrs. Travis. Suppose you were a bacteriologist working on disease cultures, and you had a chance to escape all that, to take a vacation 200 years in the past. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it, to escape to a more peaceful world? A trip back to 1955? 1955? But you said a vacation in the past. So I did. But you see, 1955 is the past. If you come from the year 2155. 2155? Yes. Terrible times. Most unpleasant. A war raging. An atomic, bacteriological war. Terrible times. With none of the little comforts we enjoy today. Like this fine Havana cigar. I want to go upstairs. I want to lie down. If you were living then, think of how wonderful it would be to take a vacation in time. Back to now. Suppose a young couple like yourselves took a trip to 1955 and didn't want to come back. Do you know what would happen? The government sends a searcher back to look for them. This is all fantastic. The searcher finds them and brings them back. Back to that miserable, insane, stark, pleasureless world of 2155. A pity, isn't it? Look here, Sims. Well, uh, do you think I shall find my two friends, Mr. Travis? Bill, please take me upstairs. I don't feel well. Oh, is the lady feeling a bit ill? How unfortunate. Here are the drinks in her. Ah. Well, shall we drink a toast? To 2155. To the future. Inside. Inside, quick. What are you doing? Shutting a chair under the doorknob. He knows. He's been following us. He's a searcher. Look, keep quiet, Sue. I want to think. You're going to take us back. It isn't over yet. I've got a headache. I'll, I'll get you an aspirin. What will they do to us? I don't know. Something slipped. Something must have slipped. But we were so careful. Searchers are trained to watch for detail. Things like not pulling up my trousers. Started them thinking. There's a man who isn't used to ancient clothes. I could kill myself for giving it away. No. No, it was my walk. These high heels. Here. Thanks. The nerve of that Sim sitting there looking us up and down like animals, smoking those stinking cigarettes. Yeah, that's how I first noticed him at Tesco. He had four bottles of liqueurs and a pile of chocolate. Yes, he still hasn't gotten over that first greedy hunger. But we've got to look out for that. It's the sure sign of somebody from the future. Trying to make up for a lifetime of shortages by stuffing yourself sick. Remember our first night? Bill, I can't stand it. We've got to get out of here. What are you doing? Packing. Put the suitcases up. 
It's no use. What do you mean? We can get to Acapulco by morning. Don't you think he's watching? We could get away. No, no. no. We've got to sit tight. Maybe he isn't sure of us yet. Maybe we can still figure out some way to escape. Come on, now. We'll need offspring. We'd better try to get some sleep. No. You know, I won't go back. Security, Pruitt. Bob. Mom, it's falling and killing. No, no. So, wake up, wake up, Sue. So, Bill, Bill, where are we? It's all right, all right. Calm down, honey. We're still in 1955. It's all right. Oh. I have a nightmare. Oh, Bill, it was awful. We were back there, 2155. Bill, we won't go back there, will we ever? Go back Tell to sleep, honey. It's all right. We're in Mexico, 1955, and we're going to stay here. So I've been lying awake here thinking. He's still testing us. He's not absolutely certain. He's got all the time in the world. He can stay here as long as he likes. And then bring us back to the future 60 seconds after we left it. They can't make a scene, can they? They don't dare come out in the open. No, no. It might change the future. They're afraid of that. Well, if we could only tell somebody, ask for you help. You know we can't. That's why we had to submit to the psychological block treatment. Before they okayed our vacation. We couldn't tell if we tried. The block's too strong. Maybe we can break it, Bill. What's the use, darling? You believe a crazy story like ours. Who'd believe we come from 2155? We can't tell. And they'll have to get us alone to put us in the time machine to send us back. Then that's it, Bill. We'll never be alone. It's still fiesta tomorrow. It'll be easy to stay in the crowd. Yes, Yes, that's the only chance. We can't let him get us alone. He won't get us back to that war and that insane world. Don't. Could be the room clerk. At three in the morning? I'd better answer. Don't, Bill, don't. I've got to. Hello? Hello? Mr. Travis? What's the idea? It's three in the morning. Yes, yes. I just wanted to remind you, the rabbits may hide in the forest, but a fox can always find them. <laughs> what was it, Bill? Bill. Never mind. Come on, let's get some sleep while we can. <laughs> Yes, senor senora. Morning, senor Gomez. I trust you are spending pleasant days in my hotel. <laughs> yes, the time is the best. Yes, it's been lovely. Your special table is all ready for breakfast. Hey, where in blazes is the hotel? You, Buster, where's the hotel in this godforsaken sinkhole of a one-horse town? All the blighted deserts of the whole stinking country. So I asked Oh, great excitement. Very great. What is it? They come with four trucks and innumerable automobiles. Huh? A motion picture company from Hollywood. Oh, what are they doing down here? They make the pictures of our fiesta for the background. That fat man, uh, the one with the most colorful shirt, uh, he is the chief 
Manager! Direct. Manager! Where's the manager? This is Adobe Fleabag. Uh, coming, senor. If you would excuse me, senor, senor, I, I, I hope the paper is satisfactory. Uh, coming, uh, coming, senor. This is a break, sir. If that movie company will draw crowds, and that helps us. But when can we leave? Mm, not today, he'd be... Okay, kids, end of the line, ciao. Get up, Maxwell, and lay off the pepper. I got a note, sir. Go. There's scenes across the dining room. I can't do anything now. None of these actors coming in. Gloria, you sit next to Papa. Max, make sure nobody monkeys with the trucks and the gear. Right, Chief. Do we have to eat at this crummy joint, Joe? Yeah, cheer up, sweetie. Your mere presence makes this chasens and truck roll into one. Oh, not this early in the morning, <laughs> Joe. I couldn't stand it. Okay, okay. Anything you want, laddies. It's on a dear old expense account. You look happy, don't you? There's an idea. Maybe I could hire two of them. I could say it was a joke. Why? We could dress him in our clothes, have him drive off in our car sometime when Sims couldn't see their faces. Where would that get us? With him off on their trail, we might make it to Mexico City. <laughs> It'd take years yeah, to find us there. Wait, that yeah, movie man's coming over. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, you folks are Americans, aren't you? That's right. Boy, am I glad to see you. I'm so sick of hearing Spanish, I could kiss you. <laughs> hey, come on over and eat with us, huh? Well, I, uh... I don't think we should improve. Oh, come on, come on. Misery loves company. I'm Misery, and that's the company. <laughs> We're from Hollywood. Yeah, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, would I like to be there. Oh, oh, I, I'm Joe Melton. I'm the director. Uh, I'm uh, William Travis. This is my wife, Susan. Mutual. <laughs> uh, come on over, kids. Join the party. Cheer us up. Only no tamales. I burned out three kidneys on tamales since I came over the border. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, am I funny, huh? Wonderful. Well, come on over. Hey, kiddies, I got new blood. Brother Yanks. Just a moment, Mr. Travis. I thought you might be breakfasting with me alone. Sorry. <laughs> I got him first, Mac. You want to join us? No, no, I've already ordered. Mr. Travis. I think you'd better talk with me. Jay, now. is this guy giving you trouble? No, it's, uh, it's all right. Then I say the word and I'll have Max pitch him out in his ear. No, no, it's, it's all right. We'll be right over, Mr. Melton. Yeah. We'll talk to Mr. Sims. Uh, Mr. Melton, you sort of keep an eye on us, huh? After all, you found us first. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, come on over soon, kids. Uh, sit down, Mr. Travis. I hope you slept well. Did you? Well, I'm not used to spring mattresses, but there are compensations. I stayed up half the night trying new cigarettes and foods. A whole new spectrum of sensation, these ancient vices. We miss something in our world, don't we? And when we get back here, we try to cram it all in a few short days. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Still acting, eh? But it's no use. You can't stay in crowds all the time. I'll get you alone soon enough. I'm immensely patient. However, let's come to the point. You know we can't let you get away with this escape. Other people in the year 2155 might get the same idea and do the same thing. And we need people to fight your wars. Bill. It's all right, Susan. We can talk on his terms now. He's got us. We, we can't escape. Oh, at last. Really, you know, you've been incredibly romantic, running away from your responsibilities. Running away from horror. Oh, nonsense. Only a war. Only? With half the world dead and the other half dying? Yes, but we can't have you escaping here while we drop off a cliff. Dying people love to know that others died with hey, them. Hey, kids, break it up. We're waiting on you. The longer you keep me waiting, the harder it will go on you. What do you mean? We need you on that bomb project. Return now, and no torture. Torture? Yes. 
You see, later we'll force you to work, and after you finish the bomb, we'll try a number of complicated new devices on you. Yeah. As you say, you can't escape. We have all the time in the world here. Sims, I'll make a deal with you. I'll come back now. If my wife stays here, alive, safe, away from that war. No, Bill, Keep not. quiet, Sue. Well, Sims, you need me for that bomb. You can duplicate her work. Hmm. It exceeds my authority, but, uh... All right. Meet me in the plaza in ten minutes. All right. I'll pick you up in the car. Good. We'll drive out into the country to some deserted spot, and I'll have the time travel machine pick us up. Bill, I won't let you. Don't argue, dear. It's settled. Sims, there's one thing. Yes? Last night, instead of calling, you could have broken into our room and got us. Why didn't you? <laughs> uh, shall we say that I was enjoying myself? Take this new fine cigar, for example. Wonderful. Wonderful. Do you know that I have 12 boxes up in my room? And because, Crane de Monte, Benedictine, Crane de Corker, and so many others, and the wine. Oh, I've got the closets full of them. And I shall so hate to leave it all. Well, I'll meet you in the plaza in ten minutes. Your wife may stay here as long as she wishes. All right, Sims, it's a deal. Mm. Uh, don't try anything now, Travis. I know when I'm deep. We just want a few minutes to say goodbye. I shall be seeing you then. No, I won't let you do it. I won't let you. Oh, please, I'm going Sims. to tell the truth. I'm going to get help. You can't. The psychological... We've got to try. It's our last chance. Hey, but, hey, aren't you two going to join us? I, I Mr. Melton, I've got something to tell uh, you, and you've got to believe me. Work, I've got to try. Uh, go ahead, kids. Fill in. You've got to understand. You see, we really... Bill. Mm -hmm. My head. Huh? I can't think. My head. Say, you need a bromo, honey. That <laughs> works, Sue. The block's too strong. You better get the car. No. Oh, ah, someone's crying. Oh, somebody, please. Uh, breakfast, no time for people to cry. Now, what in the world could a good-looking kid like you find to cry about? No, I won't let you do it. Don't make it hard, Let me go back with you. We'll get through somewhere. You think I'd let you go back to that war? Sue, please stop. Much it was so wonderful here, Bill. <laughs> there he is, smoking those Turkish cigarettes, waiting for it. There must be some way, some way we can both stay here. Maybe there is. Bill, what are you going to do? Hang on, Sue, and duck when I tell no, you. No, Bill, you're heading right for him. He's not going to get either of us now. Down, Sue, down! It's all right, darling. It's all right. Oh. It's all over. Darling, this is the mayor. Senor, your husband has been officially cleared in this most unfortunate affair. It is obvious this senor seems died of an unavoidable accident. An accident? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Adios, senor. Senora. Will they want to see you again? No. No, I'm clear. Oh. I lost control of the car. That's the way it stands. Sue, I hated to kill him. I've never wanted to do anything like that in my life. Where shall we go now? 
Mexico City? Cars in the repair shop. Won't be ready till four. And we'll get out. Hey there, Travis. Wait up. Oh, it's that movie man, Bill. He was very good to me when they had you in there. Hey, I heard what happened. They sprung you, huh? Great, great. Yes, it was an accident. Well, lucky you didn't get hurt yourselves. Everything okay now? Yes. Yes, I think so. Ah, it's fine, fine. But you both look a little rocky. Say, say, you want to get your mind off your troubles. Uh, we're through for the day. Clouds fouled up our shooting schedule. We're going to put a header on and up at the hotel. Gloria's cracking the ice now. Well, maybe we will join you. But first, I've got to check up on the car. Well, don't miss the party, kiddies. See you upstairs. Bill, I don't think... Relax, that... honey. We've got the break now. Sims is dead. Before they can put another searcher on our trail, we'll have time to make a clean getaway. How about the car? Be ready till four. We've got a couple of hours to kill. I'm so tired. What you need is a little excitement. You rate a celebration, honey. Well, I guess it would be nice to unwind. Sure. We'll go up to Melton's room, have a couple of drinks, a few laughs. Don't worry, honey. It's all over. We can relax. Great, great. Call me Joe. Gloria, yank into the court. We got company. Oh, ahead of you. Here you are, kid. Uh, you kids ready to drink. Yeah, that was a pretty messy business, but it's all over now, huh? Yes, it's all over. Uh, time to unlax. Grab a glass, honey. Oh, thank you. Hey, hey, quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. How about a toast to our guests? Well, sure. Okay, all right. To a very beautiful lady, lovely enough for the movie. Oh, uh, no, I'm not kidding. That's why I came over to you in the first place. I might even give you a test. Oh, oh I mean it, honey. You're pretty nice. I could make you a movie star. Uh, and take me to Hollywood? Uh, at least to get us out of Mexico. You're not serious. Well, sure I am. Gloria, how about a refill? Yeah, I'm coming up. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it, Bill? Uh, um, Los Angeles is a, is a pretty crowded city, isn't crowded. it? Crowded? <laughs> Wait till you see the sunset bus. Well, you don't really think I could be an actress, do you? Mm. <laughs> you don't have to cheer me up anymore. I'm feeling wonderful no, now. No, no, I'm serious. Really? Well, what kind of a film do you think my wife would be good for? Well, I want to do a suspense story. Uh, sort of a war story, you know. Uh, Gloria, pour Mr. Travis another glass. A story about a man and a wife. Uh, you live in a little house. I'm just ad-libbing this, you understand? Sure, sure. Go on. Uh, There's a war on, see? A terrible war, you see? And they live in the year, oh, uh, 2155. Yeah. Now, here's the gimmick. Uh, They escape into the past, and they kill a man who follows them to bring them back. Uh, Gloria Honeypot, get Mr. Travis another glass. He dropped his. Well, sir, uh, this couple takes refuge with a group of movie people. Uh, Safety in numbers, they figure. Ah, but the story goes on. Uh, This couple is uh, uh, terribly important for a new bomb. Let's call it the leprosy bomb. So the searchers figure out a way that they can get them alone. In the hotel room. Shove a chair under the door now, Max. Yes, sir. You see, the searchers may work alone. Or in groups of eight. So that if one of them's killed, the rest carry on. Don't you think that'd make a wonderful picture, huh, Susan? Uh, don't you, Bill? You're not going to get us, Martin. <laughs> Stand still. Look out! Put that gun down, Travis. Mr. Travis. Mr. Travis. Who is it? The manager. Your car is all ready. Shall I... Grab him! Let go of me. 
Let go! Let's not make things worse, Mr. Travis. Let me in! The manager, you heard the shots. Let's get going. Let go of me. Let me in there. Let me in. You'll break down the door in a minute. Max, get ready to travel. Yes, I can. Take a good look, Mr. Travis. Take a good look at 1955. You won't be seeing it anymore. No! Throw the no! shots! No! All right. Break it down. Who shot that? Where are they? I was at the door. I heard them inside. They are gone. The windows. No. The iron bars are undisturbed. Well, I, what happened to them? They, they, they just disappeared, all of them. Senor, I think you had better send for the priest in the holy water. Later, later. They, they just disappeared. Look in the closet. Bottles. Hundreds of bottles. And boxes of 20 pesos. Pure Havana, fewer cigars. These crazy Americanos. Why would anyone leave all this behind what? them? Never question providence. Ah, bien. There is enough here to last us both for a month. I think we can look forward to a most happy future. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith. Publishers of Astounding Science Fiction. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you To the Future by Ray Bradbury. It was adapted for radio by Ernest Kinoy. Featured in the cast were Terry Keane, Alexander Scorby, Mercer McLeod, Joe DeSantis, Guy Sorrell, Alan Collins, and Stan Early. This is Fred Collins speaking. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Red Skelton, followed by Nick Carter. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.